The mountains are calling. Let's escape the noise. This is episode 43 of the Just Trek podcast. Welcome to the Just Trek podcast, where elevation is our recreation. This is your host, Justin Just Rock Ramon, coming to you from Los Angeles. On this show, you will hear stories and adventures from inspirational hikers, explorers, weekend warriors, to even creatives in the LA community and beyond. Join the Just Trek crew on our journey to True North. We aim to inspire, motivate, and elevate you to a higher state of well-being. You can follow us on Instagram at just.trek. Facebook.com slash Just Trek Official and our website JustTrek.net. Just Trek Crew, what it do? This is your host, Just Rock, and on this episode, my special guest goes by the name Becca Dugan, aka Bex Hikes. She is an LA-based trekker, doctor of physical therapy, outdoor adventurer, and ultra peak bagger. We chat about how an international backpacking trip inspired her journey, completing the Fool's Traverse 11 Peak Endurance Challenge, conquering the Iron Mountain to Mount Baldy Traverse, climbing middle palisades in the Eastern Sierras, tips and advice for long day hikes and aspiring peak baggers, her sketchy adventure of sliding down the mountain, how summiting major peaks has impacted her overall life, and the one outdoor experience she would relive all over again. Here's our conversation. I hope you enjoy. Before we jump into the conversation, I want to let you know that the Just Trek merch store is officially live right now. If you would like to support my podcast journey and represent Just Trek on your adventures, please make sure to check out justtrek.net slash shop. That is J-U-S-T. T-R-E-K dot N-E-T slash shop. We currently have new merch available for purchase. I appreciate you all so much. And now let's get back to the show. What is going on, everyone? We have such an inspiring and badass guest joining us on the show today. She has definitely inspired me with her hiking journey, constantly pushing for the peaks, and is representing hard for the lady trekkers out there. As we always say on the podcast, elevation is our recreation. Well, elevation truly is her recreation. And without further ado, welcome to the podcast, Bex. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> so how's life treating you? Pretty good. Pretty good. How about you? It's good. I'm glad that we actually have you on the show. I've actually been wanting to reach out to you and get you on. I think now was like the right moment after all the crazy peak bagging adventures <laughs> you've just accomplished in the past, like, like literally the past two months just has like literally blown my mind away. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> I saw in your bio um, that you're a doctor of physical therapy. So can I call you like Dr. Bex? Is, is that appropriate? <laughs> if you want to, I guess. But Bex is also fine. So being a doctor of physical ther therapy, so you're a physical therapist, or is there a difference? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. So actually now for physical therapy, it's required to have a doctorate. So everyone now, I think since like 2013, who's a physical therapist has a doctorate. Wow. Very impressive. Yeah. <laughs> very, very cool. So I just want to ask you right off the bat, I'm going to do it a little different this time. 
sounds good. What was your first hiking memory? Oh. Yeah, I know. It's uh, You got to <laughs> dig deep into the memory banks, yeah. right? So my family, we used to do, we used to do some hikes, like we would go on vacation and maybe do one hike, but we would all, none of us liked the hikes because we were young. And one, we went to Italy one year and I remember doing one hike on some cliffs and it was a really, sh- it was a short hike, but um, that was probably the only thing I remember until like about college because I really did not hike much at all growing up. Wow. So Italy on some rocks on a cliff. Yeah. <laughs> That's a pretty epic first hiking memory. Yeah. I don't I honestly don't remember it that well because I think I tried to block it out of my memory. <laughs> yeah. So th- this was when you're around what age again? Um I think I was maybe maybe middle school. And then now that you mentioned that was your, like your first hiking memory, like when would you say was like the time when you first really got into hiking in the outdoors and it was going to become more of something, a major part of like your lifestyle and identity? Mm. Like when did that transition um, happen? Like, can you talk more to, can you talk more about that? Yeah. So, so I grew up in Chicago, lived there my whole life, except for one year I lived in Argentina um, and then didn't move to LA area until uh, the end of 2019 but and then I can think of like two major backpacking trips I had in college and those I just thought I thought about them a lot and I really was excited about the outdoors but um after I would go on those trips I wasn't able to continue to hike because I lived in Chicago and it's all flat you don't have any peaks around there um so then um Coming to California, I remember just being like driving to work and looking at the mountains and just being amazed that there's mountains right there. Um, And then there was, so there was one long weekend in, I think it was January, 2020. So it was just a couple months after I moved out here and I didn't have any plans. And so I was like, I'm just going to drive to Yosemite. So I decided like the night before just to drive to Yosemite and it was, um, and I didn't have any like outdoor gear, nothing. So I found a hostel there and stayed in a hostel in like this bunk room with like 10 other people. And um, and then ended up doing this amazing snowy hike in Yosemite. Um, and then after that came back and a couple of weeks later, a picture popped up on my, I think on my Instagram feed um, of Strawberry Peak in the snow. And I could not believe that that was ah. here in Southern California. And I was like, I need to see that. And so um, when the trails started open back up after COVID, then I did Strawberry Peak, um, not in the snow. And like that. And then when I, I just remember getting to the top and seeing like the mountains all around the peak. And I was, it was really, really amazing because I hadn't experienced that ever before, honestly, because I hadn't done really any peaks. And then, um, from that, found the six pack of peaks, and that's when I really started getting into the outdoors. I think. Wow! So it was Strawberry Peak that was like where you began to grow this affinity for like doing peaks and just like exploring the SoCal outdoors. Would you say? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that was the. First so you did it via the Mountaineers route or Red Box Canyon? No, I'm Red curious. Box. I actually have never done the Mountaineers route. That's very shocking to hear, considering all the <laughs> routes that you typically do. Yeah, it's one I it's definitely one on my list. I want to do it for sure. I thought you were going to say, "Yeah, I saw Strawberry Peak in the snow, 
And I did it via the Mountaineers route. <laughs> that is what you were going to say. Peak. <laughs> no, it wasn't that, wasn't that hardcore. But. I wouldn't have been surprised if uh, that was your first like peak experience for sure. That's funny. <laughs> and so with the uh, doing Strawberry Peak, would you also say that was like, um, I guess what I'm trying to get at is, you know, I view you as this like ultra peak bagger, right? Mm-hmm. Like, where did that spirit like really come from? Was it from doing Strawberry Peak or like, like what really sparked that interest to become like a peak bagger? Did you see a certain mm-hmm. piece of content or did someone in the community inspire you? Like, I'm really curious about that aspect of your journey where you just like took it up a notch and just like leveled up into this, like doing really challenging day hikes doing sketchy routes like where did this peak bagging spirit really come from where did it spark from um so so first I did like kind of the six pack of peaks and I really just was like excited about exploring mountains because I never I never really had that and then um finished the six pack of peaks and I wanted to and I and then I started kind of wanting to do more harder things so then I saw I saw like iron I heard about iron mountain and um, that peak, I kind of because because I did all, all this hiking by myself, it was kind of intimidating for me because it was like, oh, it's the hardest hike in Southern California, and so it was on my list, but I kept kind of putting it off. And then I decided to do it one day, um, and then on my way up, so you know the, the part it's like the helicopter pad or whatever, right before the big um, the big climb up. So I got to that point, and then there was these two people there that they were having a snack and we said hi. And they were the only, I think I only saw one other person on the mountain that day other than them. And they're like, Oh wow, you're doing this by yourself. Like that's crazy. And then um, I just kind of kept walking. I'm like, see at the top. And so got to the top and it was covered in snow. It was so beautiful. And so I was hanging out, out up there for a while. And then those two came up and then um, the W15 sign, it was missing. And so we're like hitting our poles in the snow trying to find it. And we finally like hit something <laughs> hard and we dug it out and we found it. Um, and then I was talking to them for a while. And then we were like, we should hike together. And so those two, um, Tomasa, her Instagram is I am oneness and then Patenko, Prisciliano. So um, uh, we started doing like a lot of hiking and backpacking and camping together after that. And then Patenko, he was like, um, and so with them, I ended up doing a lot more things that I hadn't done on my own because I didn't know about them or, you know, I didn't feel safe doing things like that on my own yet. And um, like the next the next hike we did after I first met them was Falling Rock to Sugarloaf in Ontario and Bighorn in the snow. And it was like, um, it was incredible. And the whole portion from like Sugarloaf up to Ontario, you're post holing like up to your knees. It was wild. There was so much snow. But it was really fun, and then, um, and then Patenko brought up the idea of doing Fool's Traverse, and he was he told me about this race that was like eleven peaks in one day, and I just could not fathom that because at the time I was like, just Baldy alone is like this huge hike, you know, like I can't imagine doing that plus ten other peaks all in one day, and um, he's like, let's do you want to do it, and I was like, yeah, let's, let's try it, why not? So then after that idea then started like always trying to do the next hardest hike and like try to find just try to push myself more and more and find new routes and explore more things and then um 
And then I think what got me into more of the, like the off trail stuff was the first time I did Iron to Baldy and um, getting to like a little bit more of the climbing sections. And I was like, just when you, you're, it's like a little scary when you're starting to climb because this is the first time I'd ever done any of that stuff. And then you like finish it and you're like, wow, that, that was awesome. And it's just this, this like adrenaline. And um, so that really got me into doing a lot of the like climbing off trail kind of stuff that I've been doing more recently. Yes, yeah, so that's very interesting that you brought up Iron Mountain. I feel now it all makes sense to me where you got this peak bagging spirit. You did it solo, you said, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you found two others on Iron Mountain. <laughs> and of course, if you find two if you make two other friends on Iron Mountain, they're probably just as crazy as you. Yeah, exactly. And now it just led you. <laughs> oh, so that's where or you crazier. met Potenko. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense now. He was the one that you did the Fool's Traverse with. Yeah, and exactly. I was like, this guy definitely must have been in the beginning journey with her or yeah. something. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, we did a lot of training hikes together and stuff. And yeah, a lot of adventures. So so Potenko and what was the other lady's name? Uh, uh, Lioness? I definitely recognize that Instagram. Tomasa? Yeah, I am Oneness is her Instagram. Wow. And so the route you... So when you guys hiked again after Iron Mountain, you did the... You did the Falling Rock Canyon Sugarloaf route to Ontario? Yeah. In like an insane amount of fresh snow. It was incredible. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. <laughs> to backtrack real quick, uh, for the listeners not too familiar with the Six Pack of Peaks Challenge, uh, could you kind of like go over what that is exactly? Yeah, so the Six Pack of Peaks, um, I think they have it in different areas. Like you can do the Six Pack of Peaks Southern California or Arizona. Um, but basically there's six peaks and then you can sign up and complete all of them in a year and then they also have like six alternate peaks so now there's i think 12 peaks for southern california so the six main ones are um baldy cucamonga uh, um gorgonio san bernardino which i think unfortunately still closed um yeah it's still closed yeah what is oh wilson mount wilson and there's one more What's the fourth one? The sixth one. Jacinto. Jacinto. Right? That's the sixth one. Yeah, <laughs> we always yeah, forget yeah. about my <laughs> no. down there. Yeah, that one. Yeah, that is uh, that challenge. I must say is probably one of the most epic ways to like rediscover Los Angeles and just Southern California. I feel mm-hmm. like that really would instill that beginning peak bagging spirit in you because it's such an epic challenge and it's all major peaks like. Like it was so shocking to me that we had like mountains such as this in SoCal. I had assumed we'd have yeah. mountains like like I did I wouldn't think we'd have it here, but we like you would find these kind of mountains in like Washington, Oregon, or even yeah, Northern right? California. Yeah, it's crazy. But come to find out, Northern California doesn't even have peaks like this. And a lot of people come down to SoCal to bag quote unquote major peaks. Oh, really? I didn't even know that. Yeah, I would expect that they'd have more. Yeah, they don't. There was a podcast listener who found out about, about Mount Baldy that is from uh, Northern California. And this person said, his name was Glenn. He's like, yo, because everyone on your podcast keeps saying Mount Baldy, six pack of peaks. <laughs> I came down and drove down like five, six hours and did Mount no, Baldy my. to experience it for myself because he said they don't have mountains like that up in NorCal. Wow. Yeah, I had no idea that there was mountains like this when I moved here. And so finding the six pack of peaks and then every single mountain, I was just 
really amazed because they're all so different too. Um, yeah, is is game changer for sure. Man, you already mentioned so many crazy peaks and mountains and routes. <laughs> <laughs> like it, yeah, the peak bagging spirit is instilled deep in you for sure. Yeah, it's deep in there. <laughs> Um, also real quick, you know, I just want to, you know, acknowledge, you know, we're still obviously in this global pandemic, you know, it's crazy to think that we've been in this for close to two years now. Right. And now yeah. there's like new variants, you know, we had Delta and now we have like Omicron, which sounds like some crazy transformer, you know, <laughs> it totally um, so just wanted to ask you Bex, like, like, how have you been adjusting to life during the COVID-19 pandemic? Mm-hmm. Like, was there anything in particular that you turned to? like for a sense of comfort and normalcy during these times? Um, so, well, initially the COVID pandemic, I'm sure like everyone else was really, really tough. Um, I think two big things. The one was I had very recently moved from Chicago where I lived my entire life. And so being like away from family and friends during this crazy, just nothing like this has ever happened in our lifetime and in most people's lifetimes, you know? So um, just. Mm-hmm yeah, kind of experiencing this in a new place and then feeling like I can't like meet new people because you can't see people because they're supposed to be quarantining, you know? Um, so that was kind of crazy timing, but what was really hard about it initially was working in, I work in a County hospital in LA. And so, um, I just remember like that first Friday when everything shut down and we had, they had a meeting and it was like, we don't know what's going to happen. And just, Kind of, um, I remember like the first patient that we had that was COVID positive and then just everything changing in the hospital constantly. And then like the two surges were just wild when they like the hospitals were overflowing. And um, I think working, yeah, working in a county hospital during COVID was, has been, now it's a lot better, but was pretty stressful. Um, And also another thing was, patients couldn't have family and friends there. Um, so having to kind of be there for patients in a different way than usually have to, because they don't have that support elsewhere, I guess. Um, so yeah, it was a lot. Um, but I think Mm -hmm. also working in the hospital really helped me cope with COVID in a different way because being able to on like my daily routine didn't change that much. I still went to work every single day still was surrounded by coworkers, still got to see patients every day, even though things about it were different. Um, I, I'm really thankful that I got to, you know, keep working in a hospital and, uh, the traffic was great. I flew to work every day, which is really, really nice. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Loved it. There's no one else on the roads. Um, yeah. So I think, honestly, I think what helped me, what has helped me through COVID is working being able to go to work every day still and like seeing all the people at the hospital really like support each other and um, got through it together. And yeah, it's been, and now I'm, I'm hiking for sure is like been the biggest thing that's gotten me through it once trails opened up again. But yeah. That's a very interesting perspective and also makes mm-hmm. sense. The fact that you were just like still working surrounded by people during the height of the pandemic provided that sense of normalcy to a degree, even though it wasn't a very normal time, obviously. Right. Yeah. 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 I was definitely, definitely very thankful for that. You remember when like, it was like March, 2020 or like April, 2020, when like they closed down the trails yeah. and like the mountains, 
Like, I didn't even know you could that you could have the outdoors closed. I know. Right? So besides, like, so besides, you know, going to work and having that sense of normalcy, mm-hmm. and now the mountains and the outdoors are taken from you. Was there anything else that you might have turned to? Did you develop any new hobbies? Or did you just simply do stuff like turn back the old family recipes or old, like watch old cartoon shows? Anything else in particular? Um, so, well, honestly, before the trails closed, I wasn't really hiking. So I didn't hike until like after they opened up. So that wasn't something uh, that like changed for gotcha. me. Um, but I used to like pre-COVID, I would go to the gym every day. And so not being able to go to the gym was something that was really hard. Um, but I ended up doing a lot of like long bike rides and, um, I started, so my, I started doing every week I would do a cooking class kind of with my mom and my grandma and my grandma would teach us some of like old family recipes from her family in Italy. And, um, so we would do that over zoom and we do that once a week. So that was something that was really fun during COVID. Um, yeah, those are for me. Are you full Italian? No, my, my mom is half Italian, but our family like carries on a lot of those Italian traditions. So. Very cool. I actually studied abroad in Italy for three months and I just absolutely love the culture and the food. Yeah. So cool. Where'd you study abroad in Italy? What part? Uh, the program was based in Rome, but we had like excursions every week into like Florence, Pompeii. Uh, Sorrento, and I just real quick. I don't want to turn this into a food podcast, but nah, my diet <laughs> every day was my diet every day was margarita pizza, bruschetta, gelato, red wine, and I somehow lost weight. It was that's hilarious. amazing. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like the best diet. What else do you need, honestly? <laughs> yeah, I mean the food is so fresh there, and it, it's a walking mm. culture too. You know, unlike mm-hmm. over here, everyone drives everywhere. Yeah, so. totally for sure. When you're doing the bike rides, are you referring to the bike beach path, like from Redondo to Manhattan to like Venice or like what password are you doing? So I did that. And then I did a lot of this, like this loop in Palos Verdes that you go kind of, it's called like the donut loop and you go along the cliffs Mm. for a while and then you do this big climb up and then you fly down, which is really fun. (laughs) Um, But it, it was like, I think it was like a 20, 28 mile loop that I, I would do that usually every weekend or every other weekend and then did a lot Oh, just 28 miles, huh? Yeah, you know, no big deal. It's fine. What is it called? No, the donut I, loop? I I'll definitely I have to check it out. I think it's the donut loop. Yeah. It's really fun. Huh. But it's funny because I, um, I'm not, I don't have like a hardcore like bike or biking gear or anything. And I would, everyone else on this loop has like the full outfit and the clip on. And like, they're like, (laughs) they're going up the mountains. I mean, it's not a mountain, the hill that you climb up. Um, So they're just all like speeding past me. I'm like, (sighs) my little like old bike, but it's a lot of fun. I would definitely recommend it. It's good views. No, you're good. I think I'm the same biker as you. Like, I just have like a single speed. I don't got the clip-ons. I don't got the helmet. (laughs) I don't got that crazy like bodysuit armor. I'm just, you know, wearing whatever. (laughs) Yeah, but you get it done. And you enjoy it. That's all that matters. <laughs> yeah, but we hey, get the job like done. you do like 20 plus mile hike, uh, bike rides a lot. Yeah, you know, it was because of the pandemic, you know, that got me into oh, yeah. biking again. Yeah. Mm, that's awesome. Biking for a few weeks or several weeks became uh, my new hiking, I would say, in a sense. 
Oh, very cool. So Bex, you've done a ton of trekking and exploring all over SoCal and beyond. Um, I just love to know, like, what are your top three hikes in Southern California and why is each a favorite? Um, so, okay. Clarification question. Do they have to be hikes like a trail or can they be like routes? <laughs> they can definitely be routes because I know you have a lot okay, of cool. insane routes where you connect different peaks to each other. <laughs> so let's say, uh, yeah, your top three hikes slash routes in SoCal. Mm. Okay. So one of them is the one that I just did last weekend was so fun. The Cucamonga Traverse. Um, so that was really cool because it's, we started in, um, started in Rancho Cucamonga and you hike up to Calamity Peak and Greater Calamity Peak, which, um, some of the guys in the group that I went with had basically made those trails up to those two peaks. And it was just incredible because it's surrounded by like really thick bush and they just went out there many, many days and many, many hours and made these awesome trails. And, um, and then from greater calamity peak, you just start going up this ridge and it's pretty neat because we all, I only think there's like one, very few other people that have done it that we know of. Um, and is a lot of like, bushwhacking and a little bit of climbing there was some sketchy some sketchy rock but um yeah getting up to Cucamonga from the other side of it was a really cool experience so that's one of my top three um real quick shout out to Hike Revolution right yeah yeah Hike Revolution Rockhound Hiker amazing so cool um yeah and it was it was cool because uh Rockhound Hiker it was his dream to do that route like for 30 plus years and he finally was able, we did it. So it was, it was a really cool experience. A lot of fun. Oh, wow. That was his first time completing that route too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. What's the yeah, second really cool. and third and, one for you? Yeah. Um, so I love Iron Tibaldi. Um, iron is, just Iron itself is like my favorite mountain. Um, and then you get to go to Baldi after that and like all the climbing in between. And then the climb up to West Baldy, oh, it's so great. That I feel like Iron to Baldy, I could do over and over again, never get tired of it. So that's my second one. Wait, did you just say Iron Mountain is your favorite mountain? <laughs> yeah, I think so. You heard the joke in the community, right? No, what? Iron Mountain is the toxic X. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I think I have heard that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we've been, uh, it's got a nickname. It's called, uh, it's called La Toxica because, you know, you do Iron Mountain and then you're like, I'm never going to go, I'm never going to come back. I'm never going to do it again. And then what happens? You end up back at Iron Mountain and then you ask yourself, why am I here again? Why am I back with my toxic ex? Why is this happening right now? That's so funny. I can see that. It's funny because when I first did it, I was like, I'm doing this again. I love this. (laughs) And then the next time I was like, I'm doing this again. I'm going to beat my time. And I just love, I think what I really love about iron is like, you have to, you can really, really push yourself because it's so steep. And the, and then the views at the top of it, just looking around, you're surrounded by like these huge mountains where you're on this big mountain. Like you see Baldy, you see Baden Powell and it's, it's amazing. I love, I really love iron. Yes, I like the summit view from there because 
you're like in the heart of the San Gabriels and you're surrounded mm. by other big peaks. So you're like, wow, I'm in the middle of this like peak bagging wilderness. It's definitely one of the coolest uh, and most epic summits in my opinion, because it's also just such a hard climb. So to earn that view is really special. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I think a lot of the, a lot of the peaks you see like the city from them versus iron because you're surrounded by the mountains. You see like a little bit of the city, but a lot less, I think. And it's, it's really nice. Oh, and you did iron in the snow before too, you said, right? Yeah, that was, that was the first time I did it. I've, I've been told, I think it was by Daisy, that if you can do Iron Mountain uh, in the snow, it's one of the most beautiful views because all the surrounding peaks are going to be snow-capped, right? Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. And that was, so I, when I did it, there wasn't a lot of snow until kind of the last climb up to Iron and then the peak. Um, but all the, yeah, all the mountains around were covered in snow and it was, it was so beautiful. It was amazing. Um, but I definitely want to do it with more snow. It'd be fun. <laughs> you want a post hole? Yeah, love post holing. <laughs> when every single step you're like dying, it's great. Yeah, it's exhausting. And so, what is your third top uh, hike or route in SoCal? Um, hmm. I think this one's take hard. a moment if you need to. <laughs> I really, I've really loved exploring like the Jacinto area recently. Um, I, there's this ridge that I started exploring a little bit and I want to explore more of it, but I think this is my third favorite. It's called Folly Ridge and um, it's not, it eventually gets up to what's called Folly Peak. And then that's right before you can get up to San Jacinto and it starts basically in the desert. So it's this, it's just really, really fun ridge because it's a lot of like class three, class four climbing and um, like super beautiful views. You cross this really, really nice, like very like flowy creek called Snow Creek on the way to it. And um, there's like some waterfalls you can see from there. But yeah, that's my third one. But I haven't I have a lot more to explore of it still to get to the top. So that's Folly. So that route is Folly Ridge to Mount San Jacinto. That's the hike. Eventually, yeah, yeah. So you start. You kind of start. You start on the PCT a little bit, and then you like climb down to this creek, and then you start going up the Folly Ridge, and then eventually it gets to Folly Peak, and then up to San Jacinto. But I haven't gotten that far yet. <laughs> oh, gotcha, gotcha. You're gonna you're gonna go back at some point to finish the job. Yeah, in the spring for sure. Okay, we're gonna recap this real quick because your your top three hikes and choices are pretty extreme. The first <laughs> one, the Kuka the Kukamunga Traverse, right? Yeah. Wow. Okay, and you're hiking with Hike Revolution, so I already know that was like some insane route. <laughs> and the number two is Iron to Baldy, known as the San Antonio Ridge Traverse. Um, and that you know Iron Mountain in itself is already such a huge accomplishment, but to but to traverse from iron and then go to Mount Baldy summit is like a whole next level, which I know we'll be talking about a little further into the podcast. Cause I want to get into that more with you. Mm-hmm. And then the third one you said is Folly Ridge, which is uh, in Palm Springs, Folly Ridge to eventually uh, Mount San Jacinto. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, see, and these are all routes and hikes that a lot of people on this podcast probably aren't that familiar with because 
I would say that's the next level of like peak bagging. You know, you do mm. the SoCal six pack of peaks, you know, then you find out about, oh, there's what's Rattlesnake Peak? Mm-hmm. Oh, what's this Iron Mountain? Oh, what's Cactus the Clouds, you know? And then then you find out about these other routes that are like more off trail, more bushwhacking. And that's what you've been doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I I love it now. It's it's awesome. <laughs> it's just it's fun because like to it, like Iron Tabaldi, there's kind of it's easier to follow. There's there's more of a trail because more people have done it. But the other two, it's you feel like you're just exploring because there's nothing really to follow. Mm. So, yeah, it's a lot of fun. There's nothing really to follow. <laughs> You're There's just no going trail. Up. There's nothing no to trail. follow. Yeah. So impressive. So impressive. <laughs> so I'm sure you've learned a lot from all these like crazy peak bagging and outdoor adventures. Mm-hmm. So what I want to ask you, Bex, is, you know, what are some tips and advice that have personally helped you out greatly for these long, challenging day hikes? And just like tips and advice for like aspiring peak baggers. Um, so I think I think back to when I was doing the six pack of peaks solo, and um, when I first kind of started, and what I really did a lot of, which I still do, is a lot of like research on the routes and um, making sure like you have multiple forms of maps. And um, I would initially, so with the six pack of peaks, there's a blog on it, and they kind of go through. Um, each like step of the hike and I would like take screenshots of all of that to be able to kind of follow it plus my map because I I didn't really know how to navigate the mountains at all um, and so that helped me a lot initially and I think now it's now I've I've gotten a lot better at it and mostly um, able to use more maps and getting like GPX files and stuff for routes um, another big thing I was going to ask you when you say oh, sorry, maps are you I mean like paper maps or are you talking about maps like on a GPS device Usually like GPS, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I use I use Gaia usually, but um, and then I think um, so one thing that I've been trying to do but haven't been that good at being consistent about it, but I'm working on it. So a lot of these routes now, I'm starting in like the middle of the night, and initially it was really hard because I wasn't able to fall asleep, and I'd have to leave my apartment at like ten thirty to go on a hike, but I wouldn't fall asleep before like 10 o'clock. <laughs> and so, um, recently trying to wake up earlier in the mornings, like wake up and work out in the morning and wake up at like four forty, and then I can go to bed earlier. And then on the weekends when I have to like wake up at an insane time to go to the mountains, it's a lot easier to fall asleep early. Um, so that's something that I've been working on. Um, and I think just, uh, another thing is I do a lot of, I do a lot of weightlifting, and so I think building up um, a lot of your like hip muscles and quads and hamstrings and that stuff has really helped me when I'm in the mountains, um, doing some of those like big climbs, things like that. Um, and also just the days leading up to the hike, drinking a lot of water and getting good sleep. When I do that, I definitely yes. notice a difference for sure. Um, I'd say those are, those are the big things like preparation. Um, yeah. 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 Preparation is everything, especially mm-hmm. for the kinds of uh, mountains and routes that you're doing. You like really have to optimize your body as much as possible in order to tackle these challenging uh, routes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I think just like trying to find out as much as you can about the route before doing it 
and even then you still you're going to have like unexpected things come up but yeah yeah you brought something up really uh funny and interesting you said like uh you go to the blog, I think at the Six Pack of Peaks blog, and you take screenshots of all like the step-by-step like mm-hmm. um, instructions, right? Or like all the notes. I That's what I used to do too in my really? beginning journey. I would, I would pull a modern hiker and I'd literally screenshot the whole article. Yeah, that's what I did every time. <laughs> it was the best though because I'd and be then like, I was, oh, there's that sign. Now we go this way. Um, yeah, like when you're first exploring the mountain, you just have no idea how to like, navigate and follow a trail even though a lot of these trails are very well traveled and a lot of people do them it still seemed really challenging initially you know and from like your doctor and like physical therapist perspective Mm -hmm. anything you can recommend to hikers to just improve their overall hiking experience Mm, I definitely think well um I don't do this but stretching is a big thing like stretching before stretching after um, I don't stretch enough, but I think that, like I said, like doing the, a lot of the strengthening stuff outside of hiking. So, um, making sure you're strengthening, um, a lot of the muscles that you're using in the hike and doing it in ways that are outside of hiking or running, um, to be able to really like protect your joints. Cause a lot of these hikes can put a lot of stress on them. Um, And also, I think finding other ways of doing cardio outside of um, hiking, too. So, like, during the week, if you do, like, the Stairmaster, doing, like, HIIT workouts, things like that can help build up your endurance Mm. for those big, long hikes. Or biking. Biking's a really good one, too. Yes. I I would Mm -hmm. say that, too. Biking definitely helps improve that cardio and just that constant, like, pushing and pushing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Speaking of Stairmasters... Got to give a shout out to the Culver City Stairs. That is oh, an yeah. awesome outdoor Stairmaster. <laughs> you did that, what, like 10 times? Yeah. So what I do, if I don't have time to like go to a major peak, you know, do like a San Gorgonia or do a Baldy or mm-hmm. something along those lines, I'll just go punish myself at the Culver City Stairs and I'll go up like 10 times, That's go up and down 10 times. <laughs> That's amazing. That's a lot of times. And I remember really, I did that maybe And like- it's very strenuous. Yeah, it is. I did that pre, before I started really hiking, I think I went on those stairs and did them like twice. And I I was so proud of myself for those two times. And I thought it was very, very challenging. So I can't imagine doing 10. (laughs) I'm sure you would do it easily. You would crush it. (laughs) I don't know. I feel like you're such a natural. uh, I feel like you just really dove into it and were just doing so well. Like, were you playing like do you have like a background in sports or anything? Like, I'm just really Mm -hmm. curious to know, like, I just feel like you jumped into this peak bagging spirit, like rather like smoothly or seamlessly, I would Mm -hmm. say like, do you have a background in any sports? Yeah. Yeah. It is kind of crazy to think about. Like I was thinking um, this week about like one year ago today. And like, Mm -hmm. I was, I had very, I was kind of at that point that I had done very few hikes. All of them were the screenshots took me a really long time. Um, and just how much, how many adventures <laughs> I've done since then. It's pretty amazing. But, um, yeah, so I grew up playing a lot of sports. Um, I grew up playing a lot of like soccer, softball, basketball, dead track. Um, but my big, my big one was soccer. Always loved soccer and played my whole life. Yes. It's my love. <laughs> what positions? Um, I played 
most of my life I played outside midfield, and then um, I did have a couple years that I played outside defense too. But I do, yeah. Okay, I think, that says a lot, actually. Yeah. <laughs> How come? Playing midfield requires the most stamina because you're mm-hmm. running, you're playing offense and defense. Because that was so soccer was my uh, first love before dance and before hiking. Oh, so I don't cool. know if you knew that, but uh, yeah, hardcore soccer awesome. player growing up for sure. Yeah, and I think just having, I mean, when you're athletic as a child, it just makes it a lot easier to continue to do athletic things as an adult, I think. Um, yeah, love soccer. <laughs> Favorite teams? Come on, you got to tell me. <laughs> um, Barcelona has always been my one of my favorites for sure. Um, and then I, so I told, I lived in Argentina for a year and they're like, soccer is life. It's, it's incredible. I played on the university team where I was, where I was going for classes. Um, and then they're just going to this. So you can only go to the stadium to watch a game if you are part of the home team. And so one of my, one of my teammates brought me to, one of the one of the games and the team is called Racing and um so since then they became one of my other favorite soccer teams and then I went to a lot of their games but just the energy in the stadiums there is like unlike anything I've ever experienced before it's it's amazing so Barcelona and then that Argentinian team are my two favorites that is so incredible that you got that experience you lived in Argentina and you got to play for the the university like that's a life that's a once in a lifetime thing yeah yeah it totally was and it it was fun it was just like they became my family they it was really cool I just learned so much more about like the culture and life in Argentina from my team and um, we got to travel for like tournaments to play other universities so got to see more of the country through that and yeah it is is the best oh wow you actually traveled and, mm-hmm. and played in tournaments out there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm jealous. <laughs> That's so rad. Yeah. And they definitely taught me. They they helped me learn Spanish big time. I learned it a lot easier because of them. So I remember my first game. Can you game, speak uh, pretty fluently, would you say? Yeah. Yeah. And now where I work, I speak Spanish most most of the day, every day. So it's been, it's been really helpful. Um, yeah. Wow, that's super cool. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. You got to teach me. <laughs> Deal. It's so funny. A lot of people, they come up to me and speak Spanish. Oh, really? Filipino. Yes. That's so funny. I mean, I know a little bit here and there, and I've gotten better at it. You know, I used to learn it in high school, but mm-hmm. you know, if you don't practice it, you forget everything. But I totally. think it's my facial hair and everything. Like I have so many people come up to you just speaking Spanish right off the bat. I'm like, I'm like, oh, lo siento, soy Filipino, hablo un poco de español, muy, muy poquito. Hey, that's pretty good. <laughs> not bad, not bad. Yeah, and living, like, living in L.A., Spanish is everywhere, which is really cool. I didn't, I didn't experience that, you know, in Chicago. There's people that speak Spanish, but nothing like here, you know, so mm. I like it. It's cool. That's so cool that you're from Chicago, by the way. I've only <laughs> been there once, and I just remember, like, eating at Luminati's. Oh, and the it best. A, it was a great time. Mm, I miss deep dish for sure. <laughs> I've heard there's some places yeah, here, though. I got to try them out. I haven't. I haven't tried any places here for deep dish. <laughs> yeah, there's a place in Echo Park. I think it's called Masa. It's a, mm-hmm. They specialize in that Chicago deep dish. Oh, nice. 
have yeah. to check it. I'll out. bring you there sometime. You'll you'll deal, uh, feel deal. like you're back at home. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> we'll go. We'll go there after a crazy hike. Perfect. Yeah, and that if, would be the best food after a big hike. Yes. Yeah. Fish pizza. You got to earn it. Yeah, it's uh, you know, you always got the New York like thin slice people. Then you got like the deep dish like debate going on. You know, it's yeah, just, exactly. It's really funny seeing those debates. It's always deep yeah. dish though. So obviously you've done a lot of really challenging and sketchy routes and we always love a good story on the podcast. So I'm really curious to know, Bex, can you share one scary slash intense story that you had on the trail? Yeah. So it's, I've, I've had, um, I definitely say I've had several recently, but there's one that comes to mind for sure. So I did, um, so it's the Galena Peak to Little San Gorgonia Traverse, and it's a really fun route. Um, but a lot of like mostly like class three, some class four climbing. And um, so I got the I got the route, the GPX file from um, from someone that I had seen had done it before. But they were like, definitely don't go down the route that we went down because it was sketchy. Like try to find something else. Um, so we're like, all right, we're going to try to find something else. So kind of t- pulled up the topo map and was trying to figure out what might, what might work. And we started following this Creek that was, it was this like incredible Creek. It was so beautiful. It looked like no person have, has ever been there, which now I know why, but <laughs> there was like these waterfalls and clear pools and just amazing. Um, but then we kept going down and then got to a waterfall that it was just straight down and like really sleek rock because it was all wet. And so that one, we kind of like, we climbed down that one, but then we got to another one and another one, another one. It just like kept going. And then, um, and we couldn't climb down those. Like it was, we didn't have rope. It was just way too, way too sketchy. So then we're like trying to climb up and find another way to get over. And, um, by that time it was, we were too far down to go the way that the other people had gone that I got their, um, their route from. So we like see this other ridge. We're like, we'll climb up to that ridge and hopefully on the other side of it, there's an easier way to get down. And so we get to the top of that ridge and then, <laughs> oh, it's terrible. <laughs> we got to the top of the ridge and I'm like, does it look good? And he's like, uh. <laughs> and I get there and it's just straight down, just like loose, small rocks straight down. And then it goes down and then there's like a big rock and then you can't see what's after that at all. And we're still like several thousand feet above where we need to go. And it's starting to get dark. And so it's like, it wasn't starting to get dark at that point, but it was going to get dark very soon. Um, But where we had gotten to, there was really no other way to go. And, (laughs) And so then what we had to do was like sit. The only way was like sit on our bottoms and scoot down. But so sat on my bottom and started scooting down. And then there's just like falling, like small, like just falling scree all around me. And then all like it just the mount, the whole mountain seems like it's it's coming down. And it's just so scary because you're like trying to stop yourself with your feet from like going too fast down. But then there's also the part where it just drops off. So you don't know that like if you get there, you might not be able to get down that because I couldn't see what was past that. And then you can't, there's no possible way to get back up. No way to get back up. So, and okay. Also I have, um, a Garmin GPS device, but 
uh, for some reason it was dead. So I had to leave it in my car. And that was like the one time I was like, I might really actually need this. No. <laughs> so yeah, my, that did not help. So we're scooting down and then it's, it's just like, it's all loose. There's nothing to hold on to. And then there was like one kind of rock coming outside, like grab onto that and like sit there for a little bit, try to re-catch my breath and like start scooting down again. But it was insane. And then um, it felt like a, <laughs> like a magic carpet just sliding down the side of the mountain. And then we got to the part where it looked like it dropped off, but it, it didn't totally drop off. So we got lucky and we just kept scooting down our bottoms. And then eventually it became like steep rock that we started climbing down and then it got dark and you couldn't see, like, I know we had no idea what was, what, how it kept going. Like if it kept being manageable, but ended up getting lucky and climbed down these nasty rocks in the dark and made it down. But that was like the one moment that I've been in the mountains that I was sitting there and I'm like, I'm really scared right now. And I don't, I've never felt like that before in my entire life. I've never felt scared like that. It was really wild. But now it's looking back on it is like so fun. Yeah, you were literally surfing the loose scree for miles. It sounded like like mm-hmm. an avalanche was about to happen yeah. around you. And just the the idea that like, yeah, you feel like you have very, very little control about what can what's happening and what can happen and you don't know what's coming next, you know? So that was it was wild. Oof. You had me on the edge of my seat. That, that sounds <laughs> terrifying. Yeah. And this is Galena Peak to Little San Gregonio? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so for this route, you start at Vivian Creek, where a lot of people start to go up to okay. Gorgonio. But instead of like going up the trail, you go up that. Have you done that route before? Yeah, I've mm-hmm. done San Gorgonio uh, via Vivian Creek. Okay, twice. yeah. So, so that big like rock bed, you know, that you cross to get over to the trail. Yes. Instead, you just keep going. You keep following that rock bed, and then you start like just climbing up on all fours, climbing up this like wash. And then you get to the ridge and you go to Galena Peak and then there's a ridge that you do some climbing up and down. So you get to <laughs> Little San Gorgonio Peak. And then from there, someone's got to find a better way down. <laughs> I'm going to go back, though. I'm going to go back. <laughs> Never go the way that I... Don't follow the creek. I'm just going to say that. But there's got to be a better way. And try it again. That's so wild. And yeah. you, you keep mentioning um, Class 3, Class 4... Uh, scrambling mm-hmm. just for the listeners who may not be familiar like what do you mean when you keep saying class class three class four just so that they understand yeah so when you're doing rock scrambling um class three is like where you need to use your hands and feet and then mm-hmm. um class four is more like you have to do some like climbing moves kind of and you're more like vertical i guess but you don't need a rope it's yeah as much but yeah. So actually one cool thing I learned is that those class, that class system. So it's um, up to class five and class five is a lot of the more like technical climbing. Um, and then that has like five point different points. Um, but that was mm-hmm. actually started at in the Jacinto area. There's this rock called Takit's rock and a lot of climbers go there and that's where they started that whole system. Class one, class two, class three, class four, class five. And it used to be oh, called the cool. Takits Decimal System, I think, and now it's called the Yosemite Decimal System. 
but yeah, it started there. It's pretty cool. Fun fact. Dropping some history on us. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah. The Would you say class four is, uh, you need, that's when you start needing a helmet, would you say? Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of times it also has to do with like the, ter- like the terrain, like what's around you, like how loose is the mm. rock, stuff like that. Um, yeah, but I would say, I would say so. Probably more class three. Yeah. You love those class three, class four uh, <laughs> routes. Yeah. It's never just class three. There's always a lot of class four involved. Cause I've seen a lot of your photos and you're literally on the edge, like making like really hard rock climbing moves here and there. I'm like, Oh my goodness, Bex, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, it's the best feeling though. When you're like, when you're on an edge like that and then you finally get to the top or get down, depending on where you're going and you're like, Oh, that was fun. Like it's just this like rush of adrenaline. Love it. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> back to your, uh, Galena Peak, little San Gorgonio sketchy story. You definitely got to show me if you have any footage of uh, that that down, oh that yeah, down, the the descent. Yeah, so I'm sure I, you don't because you're fearing for your life, right? Yeah, so I'm like I'm just sitting on like trying not to start moving down on the edge of this mountain, and um, I was like so scared for my life, like I could not use one hand to like try to find my phone or anything um but wow my friend that i was with took a video sliding down that's a pretty nuts video it's just like his feet and you see just like the straight down and all the rocks falling so i got that one i'll show you for sure yeah i gotta see that yeah just (laughs) when like the surrounding terrain is all like falling down that is the scariest Mm -hmm. feeling because it feels like you're just gonna go down with it yeah that's yeah there's absolutely nothing to hold on to or like if you start to lose control like i don't know there's not <laughs> there's not much there you couldn't go back up either that wasn't a cho- that wasn't no, uh, feasible mm-mm. right it was impossible cuz it was way too it was just way too steep and way too loose and there's no way i would have oh, made it no. back up so it's like the only way to go down is down and might get stuck here but there's really no other option at this point it was yeah it was wild <laughs> It's really wild. Okay. Thanks for sharing that. <laughs> I'm not going to do that route ever now. Yeah, definitely. Zero out of 10 recommend that way down. <laughs> Once I do it again Zero and out. hopefully find another way down, would probably recommend because it's a fun route. But you also definitely see like, like the that. effect of the fires, though, on it. There's a good amount of like area of it that's kind of burned on that ridge from the fire last year. That's so fun until the way down. I like what you said. I'm going to steal that. Zero out of 10 recommend. (laughs) Don't do it. Don't do it. Please. (laughs) So you've conquered a specific route that I've been eyeing for, I want to say, a year and a half to two years now. And we Mm -hmm. already mentioned it on the podcast. And we're talking about Iron Tabaldi, the San Antonio Ridge Traverse. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I really want for myself as that like next level up challenge. So that's why I was, I was also very drawn to your peak bagging journey because it was inspiring me to like warm up to the idea of, you know, tackling that either this year or next year. And I was like, dude, this girl <laughs> is crushing it. Like not only did she go there once, she went there three freaking times. Like who is this person? Who are you? You know? And that's funny um, because so like, what, oh, sorry. It's funny because you inspired me because when I first like, 
So I started my hiking Instagram to kind of just keep track of my hikes for myself because um, I wanted to have them all in one mm-hmm. place. And then you're, I think you're one of the first people I followed. And I'm pretty sure I reached out to you and like asked for some some bigger hikes because I didn't, I really didn't know it. I think you told me like sea to sea and like the Strawberry Peak Mountaineers route, which I still have to do. But yeah, you're definitely, you definitely inspired me at the beginning of my journey to do some, some bigger, some bigger hikes. Isn't it crazy how that works out? Inspiration. <laughs> yeah. I inspired you and now you inspire me and now we all just inspire each other and elevate each other. each other up the mountains. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. That's really cool to know that. Thank you. Appreciate mm-hmm. that. So. In regards to Iron Tobaldi, aka the San Antonio Ridge Traverse, like mm-hmm. I mentioned, you've done it three times. So I have a few questions about this route that you completed. Um, you know, there's a lot of sections to this route. You know, mm-hmm. you first have to conquer Iron Mountain, which in itself is already uh, is already an accomplishment. It's like what forty? I think it's like seven miles up. It's like around seven thousand feet elevation gain, treacherously mm-hmm. steeped. And then you got to do the traverse over to uh, Mount Baldy. Like, what would you say is the most challenging part of that route, Iron to Baldy, in your opinion? Um, hmm. I think, uh, I think different parts of it are challenging for different reasons. Like, once you get to Iron, that's the most you know elevation gain from there. You you have maybe like, I think like three thousand more, but you already got seven, so. Once you get like that's the steepest part, and then the but then from the base of West Baldy up to West Baldy, that's your other like pretty that's another steep climb, and there's a lot of uh false summits of West Baldy, so that's tough, especially the first time you're like, oh, you're almost there. No, that's not. <laughs> um, I heard but, that's the killer going yeah, up West Baldy. It is. It definitely is. And also, I think um, it's really deceiving because when you get to the top of Iron and you look. Like that that part going up to West Baldy does not look that far away. Like it looks like you just go up and down, up and down, up and down, and then you're there. But it's actually and miles wise, it's not that much. But there's a lot. It's it's a long mm. section between Iron and the base of West Baldy. Um, but I think how long first, is that section from Iron Mountain to Mount Baldy? Would you say how long is that traverse? Um, Do you know, it's not. It's like two three miles. It's not that much. But it takes forever. <laughs> it feels like yeah. fifteen. It feels really long. Um, wow. Yeah. But the I think like the thing about the first time I did it, I think the hardest part was for me was like more of the climbing in between, like uh, like the gun sight notch, um, especially because if you there's an easier way to do it, but if you go down a way that's more challenging, it's gonna be it's gonna be scarier. Um, and I really hadn't done much of that stuff at all when I first did Iron Tibaldi. So that I think the first time for me was the hardest. And then I would say now it's more, I think just the section getting up to iron and then the last climb up to West Baldy are the two hardest spots. But Let's talk about gun sight notch real quick, because that is the section as I've expressed to you that sketches mm. me out the most. Mm. What is gun sight notch and what makes it such a notorious part of this whole route? So Gunsight Notch is this, it's like this really neat looking rock that's just like massive and grayish black and like just looks very intimidating. (laughs) Um, Neat looking? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It looks fun. (laughs) Um, But so 
my most recent iron to baldy climb at gunsight notch this is this is what i don't recommend doing so like i went with um three other people and we did this one one of them already went down and then uh, and then the next guy goes down and he couldn't reach like one of the so this one you have to do you have to do like climbing climbing like you're use, you're for sure using both hands and feet the whole time um and he we're talking about down scrambling too specifically yeah it's right? down yeah which is definitely definitely scarier than coming up for sure um because it's harder to see uh but okay wait another story i'm gonna, I'm gonna tell this one after so so then when he was going down, he couldn't reach like the foothold and he was really, really close to it. He could have, but he just didn't know where it was. And so he's like, I'm going to jump. And so Gunsight, Gunsight is like this basically. And then the mountain goes like this and then it drops off this way, basically like the ridge. And so he's like here on Gunsight and he's like, I'm going to jump. And all three of us are like, no, do not jump. And he lets go. <laughs> and then he lands. So it's like this. He lands like here and then he starts rolling down. And luckily one of the the guy that had already gotten down, he like was in the right spot to just stop him. But he could have like fallen another like several hundred feet. Like that was that was the scariest thing I've watched for sure. Like I was above oh my I was God. going after him. And so seeing him like jump and then just tumble down gunsight notch was he was so lucky that the other guy saved him, but yeah, it was wild. Oh, so don't my do that God, if Bex. you do Iron Tibaldi, please. So if that guy wasn't there, he for sure would have been like dead. Yeah, he would have tumbled down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's yeah, there's no doubt. Yeah, yeah, and that's a very isolated section. That's the backcountry yeah. route of that whole. Wow. Yeah, like there's no easy way to access that at all. And actually, the the second time I did. Um, Iron Tibaldi, these wa- these clouds just completely rolled in, so I couldn't even I didn't even see when I was doing gunsight notch. Like you couldn't see like five feet ahead of you. It was just you're in the middle of clouds the whole time. So that was also a pretty wild experience at gunsight notch. The first time was more tame, but it was my first time doing it, so it was scary. So I'd say all three experiences at gunsight notch were <laughs> were very different and wild. <laughs> Something's happened. <each> time. <laughs> Something's happened. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I got to say this as a disclaimer right now, because probably a lot of the listeners are like, ooh, this sounds like fun. Guys, if you're listening to this, this is an extremely serious and challenging route. There's definitely mm-hmm. prerequisite hikes you need to do beforehand before tackling such a major and serious uh, route, because you got to do Iron Mountain, and then you got to do a traverse all the way to Mount Baldy Summit, which is the tallest peak in all of LA County. Like, you definitely have to be able to do Iron first, or like, Bear Canyon to Mount Baldy or San Gorgonio. There's a lot of, mm-hmm. and then you, there's the whole backcountry route aspect. So you have to be, have a wilderness preparation in case something goes wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you have to do some climbing and it's, yeah, it's definitely a little bit of bushwhacking at parts of it. Um, the first mm-hmm. time or the second time that I did it with the clouds, we got way off, we got way off track because usually you can see West Baldy. So you know, the general direction of where you have to go. And, um, but when there was like, we were just in the middle of clouds, we could not see West Baldy or see anything. So we ended up like, we ended up way on the side of the ridge and way off of where we needed to be. Um, luckily was able to get back on track. Um, pretty easy, not, but 
yeah, it's definitely, you definitely have to do a lot of preparation for that one and do some pretty intense climbs before doing that one for sure. You're such fun. a badass. I'm, so over here, <laughs> I'm over here twiddling my thumbs, just trying to warm up to the idea of attempting nah, you it could once, totally but you're over here. <laughs> That's you're over here like, oh, I, I did it. I did it three times. I did a hat trick just like in soccer. Hat trick. <laughs> three goals. Yeah, that's fun. Really curious. Like, how did you even know about this route? Did a friend tell you or you just found it online on the blog? No, my friend, uh, my friend Patenko told me about it. He had done it. He did it once before, a couple of years before. The one that I met uh, on Iron. That guy is a hardcore mm-hmm. peak bagger. Yeah, he's that's hardcore. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. So... We're going to talk about something super duper duper hardcore that you did back in October now. October, uh, I believe, 23rd to be exact. And that you did and, also, maybe. And that I did and was my ultimate sufferfest. <laughs> and you completed quite the achievement back in October 23rd. And you were able to bag all 11 peaks of the Fool's Traverse Challenge, which is this 11 peak endurance challenge hosted by our friends. Traverse Outdoors, uh, shout outs to RJ Saria, Jeremy Boggs, and their team for hosting this. And for those not too familiar, it's in the Mount Baldy area. And it's this 11 peak endurance challenge where participants have to strategically navigate to as many peaks as physically possible to earn points to become eligible for sponsor prizes and also just to have bragging rights of being a SoCal mountain goat. And you, Bex, were one of the few people out of like the 50 or 60 participants that was able to complete that. So I just want to give you a round of applause. Thank you. (laughs) Like, so like guys, like this, like achievement is like literally insanity, (laughs) like mind blown emojis everywhere. Thank you. Yeah. It's it's pretty crazy. Like when, yeah. Cause when I first heard about it, I was like, there's no way people could do that. Like 11 peaks. That's nuts. But yeah, then being able to put then like really doing it is awesome. I'm gonna say the stats out the full stats: eleven <laughs> peaks, twenty six miles, and you did twelve thousand feet of elevation gain. It's <laughs> <That's> a lot. <laughs> what in the world? What in the freaking world? Um, I think one of one of the big highlights was seeing you guys on the on the trail. It was fun. We were coming Seeing down each other at 2 a.m. in the morning. Yeah, good times. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so I have a few questions I want to ask you in regards to you completing the Fool's Traverse Challenge. Mm. Uh, the first one is, you know, you bagged so many peaks. You bagged all 11. What was your favorite peak to reach from that day? Um, I think... I think I have two. So can I say two? Is that allowed? Got to choose one. Dang it. What was right, your favorite then Eddie peak Wanda. to Eddie Wanda was my favorite. Um, we got to we got to Eddie Wanda like the sun sun rose right before Cucamonga, but it was still like pretty low at Eddie Wanda and there's just this amazing sea of clouds and I really like Eddie Wanda a lot because it's got like that really cool tree there and amazing views and it's a peak that like less people go to and it's still like right there. And it's, it's a really, it is a really, really beautiful peak. And then um, for the Fool's Traverse, they have like little capsules at every 
peak where you see you find like the peak sign the sign and you have to take a picture with the sign that says what peak you're at and then um on the back of the sign there's usually like a saying or something and so the back of that one it said uh i think it, it was like there's a there's a six six pack with your name on it on this peak and we knew that we were probably one of the first groups to get to that peak that day so like oh, i bet it's still up here so we like were searching around and um i found i found the the beers in they're like hidden under some rocks and so we got to take some beers at like seven in the morning on Edowanda Peak, and that was a good time. <laughs> That's right. You found the six pack. That is yes. so hilarious. <laughs> Wait, awesome. did you actually drink the beer? Not there, but we drank it. We drank it at Thunder Mountain. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I must it's say, too Edawanda soon, is a really too soon cool to drink it to still have, because Edowanda was what, like one, two, three, four, five, maybe? Fifth peak? Something like that. Correct. Yeah, I think peak. it was the fifth peak. So we still had route, like yeah. six left. So we can't drink a beer yet. But once we got to Thunder, then it was it was better. It was better timing. Yeah, you, you don't want to sabotage the mission. Yeah, exactly. And get drunk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> After all that training, oh, so... drink too much beer too early in the race. Yeah. Yeah, they they put it there. It was like a it was like a, a trap, right? If yeah, you drank it exactly. all, you wouldn't finish the the route. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like the trap you fall into and you don't make it. Yes, we still made it. Yeah, Etiwanda is such a gorgeous peak. Um, mm-hmm. And it's less travel to. It's next to Cucamonga Peak for those not too familiar. And I just really love the summit survey post sign, the, mm-hmm. the big pole, right? It's yeah. like the same kind of pole you find on Rattlesnake Peak, Iron Mountain. So it makes it even more epic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's a really cool one. That day, oh my God, I got to mention... The sea of clouds that surrounded all the peaks that we were bagging, like the Mm. Fool's Traverse could not have been on a better day. It was just like we were in heaven suffering, but the sea of clouds was distracting us from our pain and suffering. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was amazing to, I think I haven't, I've seen the sea of clouds, but to be able to see a sea of clouds at every single one of the peaks, like in all directions was just unreal. It was so cool. It's amazing. Unreal, unreal. So I got to ask you, since it was such a long journey of a day, a mm-hmm. peak bagging extravaganza, <laughs> I would like to say, can you name one high and low from the journey of the Fool's Traverse? Yeah. So I think, um, I think a high was probably, probably like seeing the sunrise and seeing it like over the clouds. Um, at Cucamonga, that was a high for sure. Um, that sunrise was just, it was unreal. You got like an incredible sunrise video at Ontario. It was so nice. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of my favorite sunrises. Um, and then low. <laughs> uh, so um, I was, I was like getting up to, so the part from Baldy Notch to Baldy felt like, the longest section of my entire life <laughs> felt so long. Um, but I think wow. that I like didn't eat enough food earlier in the, in the day. And so getting up to Mount Harwood, I felt like really lightheaded and had like felt low energy. And I think that was definitely my low. But then when I got to, when we got to Baldy, um, 
Patenko gave me half of his sandwich, and that tastes like the best sandwich I had in my entire life. And then that was another high. <laughs> that makes a lot that, of sense. Like, <laughs> it revived me. But yeah, I would say that climb to Harwood, it was, it was brutal. That was a low for sure. But I think overall, there was way more highs than the one low. So it was a great day. Yeah, it's like when you reach the Baldy Notch restaurant, you're like, oh, I only got three peaks left. Yeah, Mount Harwood, Mount Baldy, West Baldy. But you keep forgetting that you got to go up that first big hill from the Notch restaurant. Yeah. And then you got to go in the Devil's Backbone. And then you got that last like really steep mile that feels never ending to reach the Mount Baldy summit. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah, that it's a climb. lot. It's a lot. It is a lot. And I remember like going up, yeah, going up like that ski run from, from the, from the notch and being like, I felt like this, I felt like this the first time I ever did Baldy. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm just hiking for the first time going up this hill. <laughs> it's brutal. That ski hill, I think, is one of the most brutal sections of doing Mount Baldy from the restaurant because it's just yeah. like feels really long and it's a good shock to the body. And you're not even at Devil's Backbone yet or like the last push for the peak, you know, like at the base of the uh, Mount Baldy summit, you know. Right. Yeah. You still got a long, you still got a lot to go. And Baldy was um, so that route from like Devil's Backbone, the only time I'd ever done that. Other than Fool's Traverse was the first time I ever did Baldy, which was my second peak after Strawberry Peak. So I was like thinking back to that, and I'm like, I feel like I feel like I'm at that point right now. <laughs> Man, yeah. So th- the eleventh peak you reached was West Baldy, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, West Baldy. All right, so I got to ask you: when you reached the final peak, the eleventh peak, that being West Baldy, mm-hmm. what went through your mind? Um, I was just like, like just pure joy. I was so happy. I had a little dance party by myself at West Baldy and yeah, it was, it was so good. And the, just seeing the clouds everywhere, right? Like it was, yeah, it was amazing. That's the best way to celebrate a solo dance party. Yeah. (laughs) I wouldn't have it any other way. Nope, definitely not. Just like standing on one of the rocks at West Baldy. Yeah, it was amazing. It was a really. I think I, I think I remember seeing that video of you. Yeah, I did. I did take a selfie video of my dance party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was I believe just a it was really included cool... in the recap video. Yeah, it's on there. Check it out. Fools to first recap. <laughs> <laughs> that was a cool video. It was like nice to relive was, uh... relive the experience. Yeah, it was a long video too. I mean, rightfully mm-hmm. so. It's just such a long journey. So the, you know, the so much footage and photos to compile together right yeah yeah totally all right so let's jump out of socal for a moment Mm -hmm. and you know when i was going through your instagram feed i noticed you've done a lot of uh peak bagging and exploring also in the eastern sierras Mm -hmm. and there was one in particular that caught my attention because you were on the side of a mountain again (laughs) with a helmet and what i'm referring to is it's this mountain or route called middle palisades like, what is that all about? I'm not too familiar with it. I just know that a lot of uh, mountaineers and climbers like to uh, go to Middle Palisades. Like, could you talk to me more about what Middle Palisades is, where exactly it's located, and like kind of what is its claim to fame? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, so Middle Palisade is 
one of the California 14ers. So I think that's kind of the claim to fame. Um, a lot of people want to mm-hmm. do as many of the 14ers as possible. So, um, so what it is, is it starts at, it actually starts at the same trailhead for like the big pine lakes. Um, but instead of going North, you go South and, um, the, the trail. So the trail there is like amazing. There's, there's a couple super, super beautiful Alpine lakes, um, on the way there. And then, then you get to just a lot of boulders that you're walking on for a while. And the way back, the boulders felt like an eternity and I didn't want to see any more boulders the rest of my life, but the way there, it's fun. (laughs) And then, um, and then you get to kind of this big glacier. So there's the Palisade glacier right there, which is really cool. Um, and I haven't, I haven't seen, so I saw, that was the only the second glacier I've ever seen in my life. The first one I saw in, um, in Argentina actually, but, um, and then from there you start climbing. So it's, it's a lot of like real climbing. And so at the base of the climb, um, so I did it with my friend Patenko. Neither of us had done it before, um, and hadn't done any routes like that much climbing before. And at the base of it, we met these two people that had done it before and they were like this is like the best mountain because it's a climb where you don't need ropes but because there's pretty good holds the whole way up but you feel really badass when you're doing it (laughs) and then like it's so true like the whole way you're you're straight up climbing but the rock is is really it's a nice it's nice rock to climb it's really good it's really good holds but it's a really long it's a long long climb um to get to the top and then you get to the top and you're just like on this edge of this insane mountain and just looking at all all over all these other insane (laughs) mountains in this eastern sierras it's it's really really incredible i had never seen or done anything even close to that before yeah Okay, I'm inspired to do that one now too. Yeah. Next to, in addition to Iron Baldy. Yeah, yeah, that it was. It's amazing. Yeah, and those like the lakes are so. There's this one lake. I think it's called Finger Lake, and it's just so the color of it. It just doesn't even look real. Like it's, man, it's so nice. It's so cool. And that's what's so characteristic about the Eastern Sierras for those people not too familiar. It's uh, the alpine lakes out there are just countless, and it just really adds to the dramatic scenery um, of the Eastern Sierras. And also, here's a cool uh, here's a cool thing about the Eastern Sierras. A lot of you may not know of, but a lot of people consider the Eastern Sierras California's prized mountain range because of all the 14ers. It has Mount Whitney. It has all these other epic like mountains and routes, such as you know Mount Langley. There's a university peak, like you said, Middle Palisades. Mm-hmm. And a lot of mountaineers love going up there to do risky business kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. And it's so cool because it's an area that very few people like in the world know about, I think. You know, like you have certain mountain ranges that a lot of people go to and people will travel to from other places. But I feel like the Eastern Sierras, I never heard of them ever until moving to California and starting to like talk to other hikers in the community and stuff like that. And then I found out yes. about it and I was like, this is unreal. Like, it's so, so much to explore, so much to explore. So this past summer was my first exploring in the Eastern Sierras. And I'm definitely excited to do more in the future because there's so much. Oh, that was your first time? It was this past summer? Yeah, because I didn't start hiking until 
like really, really hiking until maybe a little over a year ago. So. Okay. We got to drop the mic real quick and acknowledge this. Like the amount of insane peaks and routes you've done and the amount of time you've been hiking, I think is what really astonishes me. Like you really went all (laughs) in on this peak bagging spirit of yours. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's definitely an obsession now for sure. And I feel like addiction for sure. Yeah. So addicted to peak bagging. And the more you do, the more you find out about and want to do, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Never ending. Yeah. The healthiest addiction. And I also want to say that I have a, uh, she was also on the podcast. Her name is Kate Tresso. I think she was episode nine. She was a, one of the people I did Mount Whitney with, I was on her permit. I'll never oh, forget cool. when she said this. She's done a lot of international traveling and like hiking. You know, mm. she's been to like Germany, Switzerland, and other countries that have like very prominent mountains, you know. But she told, you know what she told me? What? She said that when she goes to the Eastern Sierras, it's just as gorgeous as the international mountains that she's been to all over the world. No and that, way. when she said that, that just really dawned on me because I was like, wow. We have so much here in Southern California, or we have so much here in California, right? Mm-hmm. And the Eastern Sierras is only four to five hours away, depending which part of it you're trying to reach. And I was just like so mind blown when she yeah. said that. I was like, damn, we got that four hours away? Like, that's hell yeah. so cool. Yeah, that's what's amazing about here is you can just drive to just these incredible, incredible places and so many different kinds of places too, you know? But yeah, the, the Eastern Sierras is... It's unreal. I've never seen anything like those mountains before, for sure. All right, let's go. I want to hike with you up there now. Let's do it. (laughs) But I'm scared of what route you might bring me (laughs) on. That's the only issue. No, let's go. Let's go. When did you do Whitney? I did Whitney July 2019. Oh, cool. Most gorgeous and intense. Wait. Yeah, the... One of the most gorgeous and intense days of my entire life because I was on the mountain for 22 and a half hours because a girl on her permit got injured and got helicoptered out. No way. That's wild. Episode 12, if anyone wants to listen, (laughs) I actually did interview her. Katie Francis, one of the most listened to episodes on the podcast. Wow. So cool. Yeah. Um, Before we jump out of the Eastern Sierras, I do want to give a shout out to this one hike that I absolutely fell in love with. Um, Over the summer, I didn't do the full route because we didn't have enough time, but one of the most gorgeous hikes I've ever done in my entire life was Kursage Pass. Mm. And it's because there's so many lakes that you can see and bag. Like, I think we only hiked in like three, four miles and I saw like five lakes. No way. It was just insane. Yeah. That is so I think if you do the full route, you you see like 11 lakes, something around that number. That's amazing. Yeah, those lakes out there. Did you go in any of them? Oh, yeah. the uh, I forgot. I'm blanking out on the name, but the last lake um, that we saw and reached was like, it was like out of a dream. It was something that I always saw in the photos. It was just so turquoise mm. and there was no one there. And we jumped in and we had it all to ourselves. And I was like, yo, Alpine lakes are the life. Like, <laughs> this is life right now. We're not, because we had to like go high in the mountains to find these lakes. It's just such a unique experience i didn't know you could quote unquote bag lakes yeah yeah i know they're they're something else those lakes they're amazing 
They really are. They really are. All right, check it out. So we're going to jump out of California now and go international for a moment. And I saw you went to Patagonia mm-hmm. for some adventures. What was that all about? Um, so, so that was when I was living in Argentina for that year. Um, I spent two weeks backpacking in Patagonia and, um, the two, wow. the two weeks weren't like all in part of it was like backpacking, like two different hostels and doing hikes in the areas of Patagonia. But for, I think it was six days, we did a backpacking trip in what's called Torres del Pine. And, um, that was, so that was my, that was probably my only like international major outdoor experience, but it, and it was before I had done any big hikes in my life. And so I really didn't know much at all, but it is the most, the most incredible, incredible place. Like it's, the water is so pure that you don't need to filter it ever. You just take like mugs and drink straight from the water. And it's just like all the colors and it's, yeah, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. It's hard to find other words to describe it. I get it. I get what you're trying to say. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and there was this glacier there that it's, I think it was like the size of the city of um, Buenos Aires in, in Argentina. Um, mm-hmm. Like, it's just this massive glacier. And one really cool thing about this route in Patagonia is people go from all over the world to be able to do it. And so I remember um, every night, like, sitting and cooking our meal and just being with people from all over the world. And, like, it's, it was a really, really neat experience. I've never been. I've never been in one place with so many people from other countries, wow. and a lot of them are just in South America for like months, just exploring, which was really, really neat. Um, then we. I also remember one. There was one morning that we did a sunrise hike to. I can't remember what it's called, but it's kind of like the main. You see pictures of this all the time from that route, but it's like these three big rocks and then there's like a lake right there um Mm -hmm. but seeing the sun like rise behind those rocks and uh, it was it's it was that was like when I did that in Patagonia I just felt like this is what I really really love and what makes me feel more alive than anything else in my life you know and um Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I need more of this and then I didn't have more of it until many years later when I came here so yeah See, this is exactly what happened. It was all pent up inside of you yeah. throughout all those years. And that's exactly why you blasted off into the mountains and bagged everything in Southern California and California. Yeah, that so explains true. everything. Yeah. Growing up in a place that's very flat and there's not, there's like forests, but that's about it. And then had this one insane experience and I was like, oh, I need this in my life. And then finally got to a place that I could do it every weekend. and it's amazing it's really incredible from everything we've chatted about you're obviously a hardcore peak bagger so i just got to ask you bex how has bagging these major peaks just impacted your overall life Mm, um it's impacted me in a lot of ways i think um like i i never so one one aspect of it is like kind of like the meditation reflective part of it um, I've never been good at meditating or yoga because I just can't sit still. And I just felt like I never really like was able to get anything out of it. But 
being just in the mountains and completely separated from everything um, is just a time where you're just able to kind of like step away and look at everything in your life from a different perspective. And um, it just, I think it really, really affected how I like look at my own life and how I make decisions about certain things and just looking made me be able to realize like, what are the really, what's the really good things in life that you want more of and to act on those things and what things are not making Mm. you the best version of yourself and to be able to like start to leave more of those things behind. And I think just being out in the mountains and be able to have that time where you're just in nature and can really like connect with nature and connect on a deeper level with yourself. I think that that really changed my life a lot. I also think um, in another way, like I think um, my job is very emotionally taxing and mentally taxing. And um, I, I think that being able to go to the mountains every weekend and like process everything that I experienced during the week. Mm-hmm. And then I can go back now on Monday and just be like refreshed and ready to like see these patients again, you know? Um, and then, yeah, those are the biggest things. And then also I think just meeting like other hikers has been incredible. Like I think I've, I've met so many really, really cool people, um, on the mountain. I met you in <laughs> hiking down Mount Baldy. You're going up Mount Baldy. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's right that's where we first met it was it yeah. was in passing yeah i was like wait i i recognize you i know those sunglasses <laughs> oh it was the sunglasses yeah, the sunglasses <laughs> for sure yeah it's good to know yeah so that's been like that's been really really neat just thinking about all the all the people that you meet in the mountains and a lot of like even through just like through instagram and through the southern california hiking community is has been incredible like you wouldn't I wouldn't meet so many of those people mm-hmm. anywhere else, you know? Um, and then also I don't sleep anymore. So that's another change. That's happened. Clearly, <laughs> clearly you do not sleep if you do these kind of peaks. Yeah. Routes. Yeah. But overall really, really good things. Thank you for reminding me of that. That's right. We bumped into each other at Mount Baldy. I believe I was mm-hmm. going up, the ski hut route slash the volleyball trail and you were descending. Yeah. And then it was like that moment where you passed and then I passed. And I think <laughs> like we both, we both looked at each other like, Hey, um, do we know each other? Or are you, like I know you. Do we follow each other? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. I had, that hike I had taken my sister cause my sister was moving to California. And so I, I took, she wanted to do a hike. So I was like, let's do Mount Baldy. So I, that was her like first major hike. Uh, such a great mountain to bring somebody on. That's yeah. a special one and such an accomplishment indeed. Mm-hmm. It is a sunrise hike too. So we saw a sunrise at Baldy. It was pretty awesome. Oh yeah. You definitely didn't get sleep then. Yeah. And you were, you were doing another, I think you were doing a like sunset peak later that day too or something. Oh, that was the same day. I think so. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, was I by myself? I mm-hmm. was, right? I was yeah. doing it as a solo hike. Yeah. Oh my goodness, that's right. I did Mount Baldy. That was actually, believe it or not, my first solo hike on a major peak. Really? I'm usually with like at least one other person. Wow. And then so, cool. so I, I went from doing a solo hike on Mount Baldy 
to joining a hiking army at Sunset Peak because it was a collaboration between We Explore Earth and Babes Who Elevate. I literally went from like just myself to like 60 people. I was like, okay, this was a major contrast, but I love yeah, it. Yeah, that's wild. So different. <laughs> but two awesome experiences. Yeah, totally. It's like I always I always promote the idea of um, having a balance of solo hikes and social group hikes. I think it really mm. can open up your uh, – your outdoor adventures more and you can have even more like unique, memorable, you know, experiences. Like I get a lot of people hike solo and that's amazing. I still hike solo as well, but you know, if you can mix in a little bit of group hiking, you know, it doesn't have to be like huge group hikes, but maybe you go with like five other people, 10 other people, maybe just a few others, you know, it uh, could really open you up a lot more, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really cool. Cause I started hiking pretty much solo. And as I've started to join more groups, it's, it's a really, it's a really awesome. I like, and the the one group hike I joined of yours, that was a really, really fun experience. I like that a lot. Oh, that's right. You joined the Just Trek crew. We did, uh, we hosted a small group hike at a Los Leones in the Pacific Palisades. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was so much fun. It was a good time. And we took the steep rabbit hole route. Oh, yeah. I was impressed. That was a pretty steep route. I didn't expect there to be like that steep of a route mm-hmm. in that area, you know? I don't, I don't really know that area very well. but. And since that was the first time I hiked with you, I actually got the foreshadowing of how hardcore <laughs> a hiker you were. Because I remember That's you were crushing the trail on the way up, but then you were like trail running and then you decided to go solo for a little bit and you went up a big hill and then we're like, okay, we'll see you later. And then you got like lost because you went <laughs> off trail and then we thought you went down the mountain already. But then you actually ran back to us just to hang out with us and like finish the entire hike. And I was like, okay, she just did all of that. And she is still super bubbly and full of energy. That was really fun. Yeah, I thought I thought you guys had, were way past me, like way far down. So then I was asking everyone that came down if they saw you guys and then eventually found you. But yeah. Oh, hell no. Your pace is so fast. I was like, <laughs> we are definitely not in front of you. <laughs> oh, I was very turned around. Good times, good times. So I'm excited to ask you this next question. If there was one hiking or outdoor experience you could relive all over again, Mm. what would that be for you? Honestly, I would say Patagonia for sure. Um, Because I think when I did it, it was like my introduction to the outdoors and was an incredible introduction and meeting all these people but I think now that I've had all these other experiences I think I would see it in a different way and do it differently and I think there's that area there's just in Patagonia there's so much to explore it's yes you know it's massive um so yeah I definitely and it's it's another area of the world that is less explored there's actually this um there's now like a it's not an official through hike, but it's called the Greater Patagonia Trail, and it kind of goes through Patagonia. And it's not all a trail, but I think doing like parts of that someday would be really incredible. That's really cool that your answer is, uh, you know, an outdoor experience that you had in the very beginning of your journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I think just it would be completely, completely different now. You know, I had zero outdoor background whatsoever before that. Is like this sounds really fun. Let's do it. But I don't know. I don't know anything about it. I don't know what I'm getting myself into. I don't know how to backpack (laughs) or anything, but yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
Sounds like we have a, a future international mountaineer on That'd the horizon. Cool. <laughs> I hope so. One day. Oh, I already know it's going to happen. <laughs> You're going to be signing autographs at some point. <laughs> That'd be awesome. All right. Guess what? What? It's time for the rapid fire question section. Oh, boy. My favorite part of the show. <laughs> Let's All go. Right, so check it out. This is the way it works. There's two rounds. Round one is outdoor focus, and then round two is personal. Mm-hmm. All right. So round one, you ready? I'm ready. You ready, rock steady? Ready, rock steady. There we go. She said it. She's ready. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here we go. Favorite trail snack? Um, there's these gummies I got at REI that are strawberry, and they're, they're my favorite energy gummies trail runners or hiking boots trail runners desert or deserted island desert waterfalls or lakes lakes rock scrambling or surfing loose scree rock scrambling rock scrambling or wait you never done ice climbing have you right Mm-mm, no but that's definitely something i want to do all right let's scratch that yeah i feel like i can't say that yet <laughs> Favorite camping meal? Um, ramen. Dawn or dusk? Dawn, for sure. Mountain lions or grizzly bears? Mm, mountain lions. <laughs> Taco Tuesday or Waterfall Wednesday? Uh, Waterfall Wednesday. Santa Monica Mountains or San Gabriel Mountains? San Gabriel Mountains. San Gabriel Mountains or Eastern Sierras? Ooh. <laughs> Probably Eastern Sierras. That's hard though. Wow. Traitor. <laughs> Sorry. Just messing with you. <laughs> Music artist you want to hike with. Mm. <laughs> Bad bunny. <laughs> what an amazing answer. You know who you're gonna get along with? You're gonna get along with Victor from LA Trail Killers. That's like his Oh yeah. <laughs> that's like his favorite artist. Yeah. That's funny. That'd be fun. We'll set we'll set that up. Deal. A group hike with Bad Bunny. It'll be super late. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be. feel like a lot of tequila would be involved in that hike. Yeah, for sure. A lot of dancing. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of dancing for sure. Favorite hike in Los Angeles. Mm, Iron Tabaldi. <laughs> Oh my goodness. You love type two fun. You love suffering. I love it. Favorite piece of outdoor gear you own? Um, ooh, I got I have um I think it's called a Crazy Creek camping chair that's just like on the ground and it rocks. That one's my favorite. Very cool. Yeah. National park you want to visit the most that you have not already. Um Glacier. Favorite outdoor brand? Um, that one's hard. I think I uh Vask. I like their shoes. Vask. In one word, how does hiking make you feel? Alive. What's your ideal outside temperature? Ooh. Like 55? 55? <laughs> what in the world? <laughs> really? Yeah. A little chilly. Okay. 
Oh, that's right. You're from Chicago. Yeah, You're Chicago, used to like in the first days when it's 55 after the winter, that's like shorts weather for sure. <laughs> All the listeners are like, you are a crazy person. No, that's so nice. All right. That concludes round one. <laughs> we'll take like a 15, yeah. 20 second break. I'm going to sip my water and then we'll jump into round two. Sounds good. You said 55. What in the <laughs> world, Dex? <laughs> I love. I've cult. never gotten anything below. I have not received an answer below sixty ever on this podcast. Really? I don't think. Wow, I'm surprised. Fifty-five is nice. Could be way worse. It could be like negative degrees. Yeah, because you know, people in SoCal they'd be busting out their fur coats at like sixty-five degrees. Yeah, and their UGG boots. <laughs> UGG boots. That's right. That was the funniest thing that I saw when I saw. When I first moved here, I couldn't believe it. I had a roommate in college, uh, freshman year. He wore Ugg boots. I didn't know dudes wore Ugg boots. And he was saying that it's because he's a baseball player. I don't know how really? true that is. Oh, that's a baseball player? Could you thing? let me know? Yeah. I, I didn't know that. I mean, that's what he said. I don't know to, whether to believe him or not. Or yeah. if it's a cover-up, you know? Yeah. Not a baseball player, so can't really speak to that. But All right. Round two. You ready? Okay. Yeah, let's go. You ready, Rock Steady? Ready, Rock Steady. Favorite comfort food? Mm. Mac and cheese. <laughs> Favorite cartoon show growing up? Arthur. Favorite emoji? Um, the mountain goat. Playing soccer or peak bagging? Oh, now I'd say peak bagging, but majority I got, of my I life I would have said soccer. That was tough. That was brutal. I hurt my heart a little bit. <laughs> L.A. or Chicago? L.A., but don't tell my family I said that. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> Favorite music artist right now, or who are you listening to the most at the moment? Um, the most I listen to this artist called Natalia Laforcade. She's a Mexican. Natalia Maforcade? Laforcade. Huh. You have to put me onto one of their songs. I will, for sure. App you are currently using the most besides Instagram? Hmm. Probably Pinterest, like for recipes and stuff. Favorite superhero? Ooh. Um, Violet from The Incredibles. Nice. <laughs> Unique answer. If you could be any animal, what would it be? Um, a cow. A cow? <laughs> What's that Doja Cat song? It goes like, moo, moo or something. I don't know that It's something one. more explicit, but yeah. <laughs> I'm going to just send it to you. Okay, Everyone's yeah. probably like super confused right now. Um, cuddle with a baby panda or a baby penguin? Panda, for sure. Describe yourself in three words. Mm, this is hard. Um, I would say thrill-seeking, um, thoughtful, and... Um, empathetic. Love it. And here's the final question of the rapid fire question section. Favorite sound. Oh, that's so right when the sun rises and like the birds start chirping in the mountains. That's my favorite sound. I love that moment. I love how it was a specific setting to not just the birds yeah. chirping. No, it's, it's, yeah. It's a very specific time when they start, and that's that's the one. That's so beautiful. 
Well, that concludes the rapid fire question section. All right. And uh, before we conclude the episode, I always turn the spotlight back to the guest. Mm -hmm. Bex, do you have any final words or thoughts you want to share with the audience? This is your time. Mm. Um, I don't know. I just, I think about like, yeah, just talking through all these, all these adventures and kind of how quickly a lot of them happen and all the people that I've met through them. I just think like, if you, if you see something you want to do or you have a dream of something you want to accomplish, like do whatever you can to make it happen. Cause we live in such an incredible place and there are so many amazing adventures and it can happen. You know, you just gotta, gotta put in the effort and <laughs> not sleep and, and put yourself out there and um, yeah, just push your, push yourself to always doing something harder and something greater and, yeah, there's a there's a lot, a lot that can be accomplished. <laughs> yeah, there is something so special about putting yourself out there, and it looks like the the universe has given a lot to you, especially the outdoors and the mountains. So totally, uh, it's very apparent with all the routes and mountains that you've completed, and it looks like you've just the past year and a half you've had the time of your freaking life. Yeah. Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure. All right. Well, I just want to say it's been an honor having you on the podcast, having such a hardcore peak bagger <laughs> that is representing for the ladies out there. Like that's just Ew. so cool. <laughs> Thank you. It's been it's been really cool. I'm really I was really excited that you asked me to to do this. It's been fun. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You definitely inspire me to take my peak bagging journey to the next level. You know, do Iron to Baldy. Yeah. You know, maybe explore Middle Palisades and other routes. So it. yeah, once again, thank you so much for being on the show. You know, Bex Hikes, Just Trek Podcast, Elevation is our recreation, and we are out. All right. Peace. Peace. <laughs> Thank you, gracias and salamat for tuning in to the entire episode. If you like the show, make sure to subscribe and leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts slash iTunes. Follow us on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We are streaming on all the major platforms. If you want to send me a message, email justtrekofficial at gmail.com or slide in my DMs on Instagram at just.trek or on my personal at justrock, J-U-S-T-R-O-C. If you would like to support my creative endeavors, check out the merch store on justtrek.net slash shop. For more outdoor inspiration, make sure to check out our website. We have blogs, vlogs, and trip reports. I hope you enjoyed the episode, have a wonderful day, and please remember to just keep on trekking.